Chapter forty five of the Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens. Chapter forty five. Containing matter of a surprising kind. As we're going away from London tomorrow night, and as I didn't know that I was ever so happy in my days, Mr. Nickleby. Ding, but I will take another glass to our next merry meeting. So said John Browdie, rubbing his hands with great joyousness and looking round him with a ruddy, shining face, quite in keeping with the declaration. The time at which John found himself in this enviable condition was the same evening to which the last chapter bore reference. The place was the cottage, and the assembled company were Nicholas, Mrs. Nickleby, Mrs. Browdie, Kate Nickleby and Smike. A very merry party they had been. Mrs. Nickleby, knowing of her son's obligations to the honest Yorkshireman, had, after some demur, yielded her consent to Mr. and Mrs. Browdie being invited out to tea, in the way of which arrangement there were at first sundry difficulties and obstacles arising out of her not having had the opportunity of calling upon Mrs. Browdie first, for although Mrs. Nickleby very often observed with much complacency, as most punctilious people do, that she had not an atom of pride or formality about her. Still, she was a great stickler for dignity and ceremonies, and as it was manifest that, until a call had been made, she could not be, politely speaking and according to the laws of society, even cognizant of the fact of Mrs. Browdie's existence, she felt her situation to be one of peculiar delicacy and difficulty. "'The call must originate with me, my dear,' said Mrs. Nickleby. "'That's indispensable.' The fact is, my dear, that it is necessary there should be a sort of condescension on my part, and that I should show this young person that I am willing to take notice of her. He's a very respectable-looking young man, added Mrs. Nickleby, after a short consideration, who is conductor to one of the omnibuses that go by here, and who wears a glazed hat. Your sister and I have noticed him very often. He has a wart upon his nose, Kate, you know, exactly like a gentleman's servant. "'Have all gentlemen's servants warts upon their noses, mother?' asked Nicholas. "'Nicholas, my dear, how very absurd you are,' returned his mother. "'Of course I mean that his glazed hat looks like a gentleman's servant, and not the wart upon his nose. Though even that is not so ridiculous as it may seem to you. For we had a footboy once, who had not only a wart, but a wen also, and a very large wen too, and he demanded to have all his wages raised in consequence, because he found it became very expensive.' let me see what was i oh yes i know the best way that i can think of would be to send a card and my compliments i've no doubt he'd take em for a pot of porter by this young man to the saracen with two necks if the waiter took him for a gentleman's servant so much the better then all mrs Brodie would have to do would be to send a card back by the carrier he could easily come with a double knock and there's an end of it my dear mother said nicholas i don't suppose such unsophisticated people as these ever had a card of their own or ever will have oh that indeed nicholas my dear returned mrs nickleby that's another thing if you put it upon that ground why of course i have no more to say than that i have no doubt they are very good sort of persons and that i have no kind of objection to their coming here to tea if they like and shall make a point of being very civil to them if they do the point being thus affectionately set at rest and mrs nickleby duly placed in the patronizing and mildly condescending position which became her rank and matrimonial years, Mr. and Mrs. Browdie were invited and came, 
as they were very differential to mrs nickleby and seemed to have a becoming appreciation of her greatness and were very much pleased with everything the good lady had more than once given to kate to understand in a whisper that she thought they were the very best-meaning people she had ever seen and perfectly well behaved and thus it came to pass that john browdie declared in the parlour after supper to wit and twenty minutes before eleven o'clock p m that he had never been so happy in all his days nor was mrs browdie much behind her husband in this respect for that young matron whose rustic beauty contrasted very prettily with the more delicate loveliness of kate and without suffering by the contrast either for each served as it were to set off and decorate the other could not sufficiently admire the gentle and winning manners of the young lady or the engaging affability of the elder one then kate had the art of turning a conversation to subjects upon which the country girl bashful at first in strange company could feel herself at home and if mrs nickleby was not quite so felicitous at times in the selection of topics of discourse or if she did seem as mrs browdie expressed it rather high in her notions still nothing could be kinder and that she took considerable interest in the young couple was manifest from the very long lectures on housewifery with which she was so obliging to entertain mrs browdie's private ear which were illustrated by various references to the domestic economy of the cottage in which these duties falling exclusively upon kate the good lady had about as much share either in theory or practice as any one of the statues of the twelve apostles which embellish the exterior of st paul's cathedral mr browdie said kate addressing his young wife is the best humoured and kindest and heartiest creature i ever saw if i were oppressed with i don't know how many cares it would make me happy only to look at him he does seem indeed upon my word a most excellent creature kate said mrs nickleby most excellent and i am sure that at all times it will give me pleasure really pleasure now to have you mrs browdie to see me in this plain and homely manner we make no display said mrs nickleby with an air that seemed to insinuate that they could make a vast deal if they were so disposed no fuss no preparation i wouldn't allow it i said kate my dear you will only make mrs browdie feel uncomfortable and how very foolish and inconsiderate that would be i'm very much obliged to you i am sure ma'am returned mrs browdie gratefully it's nearly eleven o'clock john i'm afraid we are keeping you up very late ma'am late cried mrs nickleby with a sharp thin laugh and one little cough at the end like a note of admiration expressed this is quite early for us we used to keep such hours twelve one two three o'clock was nothing to us balls dinners and card parties never were such rakes as the people about where we used to live i often think now i am sure that how we ever go through with it is quite astonishing and that is just the evil of having a large connection and being a great deal sought after which i would recommend all young married people steadily to resist though of course and it's perfectly clear very happy thing too i think that very few young married people could be exposed to such temptations there was one family in particular that used to live about a mile from us not straight down the road but turning sharp off to the left by the turnpike where the plymouth mail ran over the donkey that were quite extraordinary people for giving the most extravagant parties with artificial flowers and champagne and variegated lamps and in short every delicacy of eating and drinking that the most singular epicure could possibly require i don't think there ever were such people as these pelterroguses you remember the pelterroguses kate kate saw that for the case and comfort of the visitors 
it was high time to stay this flood of recollection so answered that she entertained of the peltergusses a most vivid and distinct remembrance and then said that mr browdie had half promised early in the evening that he would sing a yorkshire song and that she was most impatient that he should redeem his promise because she was sure it would afford her mamma more amusement and pleasure than it was possible to express mrs nickleby confirming her daughter with the best possible grace for there was a patronage in that too and a kind of implication that she had a discerning taste in such matters and was something of a critic john browdie proceeded to consider the words of some north country ditty and to take his wife's recollection respecting the same this done he made diverse ungainly movements in his chair and singling out one particular fly on the ceiling from the other flies there asleep fixed his eyes upon him and began to roar a meek sentiment supposed to be uttered by a gentle swain fast pining away with love and despair in a voice of thunder at the end of the first verse as though some person without had waited until then to make himself audible was heard a loud and violent knocking at the street door so loud and so violent indeed that the lady started as by one accord and john browdie stopped must be some mistake said nicholas carelessly we know nobody who would come here at this hour mrs nickleby surmised however that perhaps the counting-house was burnt down or perhaps that mr cherubles had sent to take nicholas into partnership which certainly appeared highly probable at that time of night or perhaps mr linkinwater had run away with the property or perhaps miss la creevy was taken in or perhaps but a hasty exclamation from kate stopped her abruptly in her conjectures and ralph nickleby walked into the room stay said ralph as nicholas rose and kate making her way towards him threw herself upon his arm before that boy says a word hear me nicholas bit his lip and shook his head in a threatening manner but appeared for the moment unable to articulate a syllable kate clung closer to his arm smike retreated behind them and john browdie who had heard of ralph and appeared to have no great difficulty in recognising him stepped between the old man and his young friend as if with the intention of preventing either of them from advancing a step further hear me i say said ralph and not him say what those gotten to say then sir retorted john and take care they do not put up angry blood which those best to try to quiet i should know you said ralph by your tongue and him pointing to smike by his looks don't speak to him said nicholas recovering his voice i will not have it i will not hear him i do not know that man i cannot breathe the air that he corrupts his presence is an insult to my sister it is a shame to see him i will not bear it stand cried john laying his heavy hand upon his chest then let him instantly retire said nicholas struggling i am not going to lay hands upon him but he shall withdraw i will not have him here john john browdie is this my house am i a child if he stands there cried nicholas burning with fury looking so calmly upon those who know his black and dastardly heart he'll drive me mad to all these exclamations john browdie answered not a word but he retained his hold upon nicholas and when he was silent again spoke there's more to say in here than thou thinks for said john i tell ee, i've gotten a scent of that already what'll be that shadow outside the door there no schoolmaster show thyself man do not be shamefaced now old gentleman let's have schoolmaster come hearing this adjuration mr squeers who had been lingering in the passage 
until such times as it should be expedient for him to enter and he could appear with effect was fain to present himself in a somewhat undignified and sneaking way at which john browdie laughed with such keen and heartfelt delight that even kate in all the pain anxiety and surprise of the scene and though tears were in her eyes felt a disposition to join him have you done enjoying yourself sir said ralph at length pretty nigh for the present time sir replied john i can wait said ralph take your own time pray ralph waited until there was a perfect silence then turning to mrs nickleby but directing an eager glance at kate as if more anxious to watch his effect upon her said now ma'am listen to me i don't imagine that you were a party to a very fine tirade of words sent to me by that boy of yours because i don't believe that under his control you have the slightest will of your own or that your advice your opinion your wants your wishes anything which in nature and reason of what use is your great experience ought to weigh with him as the slightest influence or weight whatever or it is taken for a moment into account mrs nickleby shook her head and sighed as if there were a good deal in that certainly for this reason resumed ralph i address myself to you ma'am for this reason partly and partly because i do not wish to be disgraced by the acts of a vicious stripling whom i was obliged to disown and who afterwards in his boyish majesty feigns to <laughs> to disown me i present myself here to-night i have another motive in coming a motive of humanity i come here said ralph looking round with a biting and triumphant smile and a gloating and dwelling upon the words as if he were loath to loose the pleasure of saying them to restore a parent his child ay sir he continued bending eagerly forward and addressing nicholas as he marked the change of his countenance to restore a parent his child his son sir trepanned waylaid and guarded at every turn by you with the base design of robbing him some day of any little wretched pittance of which he might become possessed in that you know you lie said nicholas proudly in this i know i speak the truth i have his father here retorted ralph here sneered squeers stepping forward dear that here didn't i tell you to be careful that his father didn't turn up and send him back to me why his father's my friend he's to come back to me directly he is now what do you say eh now come what do you say to that ain't you sorry you took so much trouble for nothing ain't you ain't you you bear upon your body certain marks that i gave you said nicholas looking quietly away and may talk in acknowledgment of them as much as you please you'll talk a long time before you rub them out mr squeers the estimable gentleman last named cast a hasty look at the table as if he were prompted by this retort to throw a jug or bottle at the head of nicholas but he was interrupted in this design if such a design he had by ralph who touching him on the elbow bade him tell the father that he might now appear and claim his son this being purely a labour of love mr squeers readily complied and leaving the room for the purpose almost immediately returned supporting a sleek personage with an oily face who bursting from him and giving to view the form and face of mr snawley made straight up to smike and tucking that poor fellow's head under his arm in a most uncouth and awkward embrace elevated his broad-brimmed hat at arm's length in the air as a token of devout thanksgiving exclaiming meanwhile how little did i think of this here joyful meeting when i saw him last oh how little did i think it be composed sir said ralph with a gruff expression of sympathy 
you've got him now got him oh haven't i got him haven't i got him though cried mr snawley scarcely able to believe it yes here he is flesh and blood flesh and blood very little flesh said john browdie mr snawley was too much occupied by his parental feelings to notice this remark and to assure himself more completely of the restoration of his child tucked his head under his arm again and kept it there what was it said mr snawley that made me take such a strong interest in him when the worthy instructor of youth brought him to my house what was it that made me burn all over with a wish to chastise him severely for cutting away from his best friends his pastors and masters it was parental instinct sir observed squeers that's what it was sir rejoined snawley the elevated feeling the feeling of ancient romans and grecians and of the beasts of the field and the birds of the air with the exception of rabbits and tomcats which sometimes devour their offspring my heart yearned towards him i could have i don't know what i couldn't have done to him in the anger of a father it only shows what nature is sir said mr squeers she's a woman is nature she's a holy thing sir remarked snawley i believe you added mr squeers with a moral sigh i should like to know how we should ever get on without her nature said mr squeers solemnly is more easier conceived than described oh what a blessing sir to be in a state of nature pending this philosophical discourse the bystanders had been quite stupefied with amazement while nicholas had looked keenly from snawley to squeers and from squeers to ralph divided between his feelings of disgust doubt and surprise at this juncture smike escaping from his father fled to nicholas and implored him in most moving terms never to give him up but to let him live and die beside him if you are this boy's father said nicholas look at the wreck he is and tell me that you purpose to send him back to that loathsome den from which i brought him scandal again cried squeers recollect you ain't worth powder and shot but i'll be even with you one way or another stop interposed ralph as snawley was about to speak let us cut this matter short and not bandy words here with hare-brained profligates this is your son as you can prove and you mr squeers you know this boy to be the same that was with you for so many years under the name of spike do you do i returned squeers don't i good said ralph very few words will be sufficient here you had a son by your first wife mr snawley i had replied that person and there he stands we'll show that presently said ralph you and your wife were separated and she had the boy to live with her when he was a year old you received a communication from her when you had lived apart a year or two that the boy was dead and you believed it of course i did returned snawley oh the joy of be rational sir pray said ralph this business and transports interfere with it this wife died a year and a half ago or thereabouts not more in some obscure place where she was a housekeeper in a family is that the case that's the case replied snawley having written on her deathbed a letter of confession to you about this very boy which as it was not directed otherwise than in your name only reached you and that by a circuitous course a few days since just so said snawley correct in every particular sir and this confession resumed ralph is to the effect that his death was an invention of hers to wound you was part of a system of annoyance in short which you seem to have adopted towards each other that the boy lived but was of weak and imperfect intellect that she sent him by a trusty hand to a cheap school in yorkshire 
that she had paid for his education for some years and then being poor and going a long way off gradually deserted him for which she prayed forgiveness snawley nodded his head and wiped his eyes the first slightly the last violently the school was mr squeers continued ralph the boy was left there in the name of smike every description was fully given dates tally exactly with mr squeers books mr squeers is lodging with you at this time you have two other boys at his school you communicated the whole discovery to him he brought you to me as the person who had recommended to him the kidnapper of his child and i brought you here is that so you talk like a good book sir that's got nothing in its inside but what's the truth replied snawley this is your pocket-book said ralph producing one from his coat the certificates of your first marriage and of the boy's birth and your wife's two letters and every other paper that can support these statements directly or by implication are here are they every one of them sir and you don't object to their being looked at here so that these people may be convinced of your power to substantiate your claim once in law and reason and you may resume your control over your own son without more delay do i understand you couldn't have understood myself better sir there then said ralph tossing the pocket-book upon the table let them see them if they like and those are the original papers i shall recommend you to stand near while they are being examined or you may chance to lose some with these words ralph sat down unbidden and compressing his lips which for the moment slightly parted by a smile folded his arms and looked for the first time at his nephew nicholas stung by the concluding taunt darted an indignant glance at him but commanding himself as well as he could entered upon a close examination of the documents at which john browdie assisted there was nothing about them which could be called in question the certificates were regularly signed as extracts from the parish books the first letter had a genuine appearance of having been written and preserved for some years the handwriting of the second tallied with it exactly making proper allowance for its having been written by a person in extremity and there were several other corroboratory scraps of entries in memoranda which it was equally difficult to question dear nicholas whispered kate who had been looking anxiously over his shoulder can this really be the case is this statement true i fear it is answered nicholas what say you john john scratched his head and shook it but said nothing at all you will observe ma'am said ralph addressing himself to mrs nickleby that this boy being of a minor and not strong mind we might have come here to-night armed with the power of the law and backed by a troop of its myrmidons i should have done so ma'am unquestionably but for my regard for the feelings of yourself and your daughter you have shown your regard for her feelings well said nicholas drawing his sister towards him thank you replied ralph your praise sir is a commendation indeed well said squeers what's to be done them acne court horses will catch cold if we don't think of moving there's one of them sneezing now so that he blows the street door right open what's the order of the day is master snawley to come along with us no 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 replied smike drawing back and clinging to nicholas no pray no i will not go from you with him no no it's a cruel thing said snawley looking to his friends for support do parents bring children into the world for this do parents bring children into the world for that said john browdie bluntly pointing as he spoke to squeers never you mind retorted that gentleman tapping his nose derisively never i mind said john no nor everybody minds says thou schoolmaster it's nobody's minding that keeps such men as you afloat 
now then where best thou come into dang it do not come treading over me man suiting the action to the word john browdie just jerked his elbow into the chest of mr squeers who was advancing upon smike with so much dexterity that the schoolmaster reeled and staggered back upon ralph nickleby and unable to recover his balance knocked that gentleman off his chair and stumbled heavily upon him the accidental circumstance was the signal for some very decisive proceedings in the midst of a great noise occasioned by the prayers and entreaties of smike and cries and exclamations of the women and the vehemence of the men demonstrations were made of carrying off the lost son by violence squeers had actually begun to haul him out when nicholas who until then had evidently been undecided how to act took him by the collar and shaking him so that such teeth as he had chattered in his head politely escorted him to the room door and thrusting him into passage shut it upon him now said nicholas to the other two have the goodness to follow your friend i want my son said snawley your son replied nicholas chooses for himself he chooses to remain here and he shall you won't give him up said snawley i would not give him up against his will to be the victim of such brutality as that to which he would consign him replied nicholas if he were a dog or a rat knock that nickleby down with a candlestick cried mr squeers through the keyhole and bring out my hat somebody will you unless he wants to steal it i'm very sorry indeed said mrs nickleby who with mrs browdie had stood crying and biting her fingers in a corner while kate very pale but perfectly quiet had kept as near as her brother as she could i am very sorry indeed for all of this i really don't know what would be best to do and that's the truth nicholas ought to be best judge and i hope he is of course it's a hard thing to have to keep other people's children though young mr snawley is certainly as useful and willing as possible for anybody else to be but if it could be settled in any friendly manner if old mr snawley for instance would settle to pay something certain for his board and lodging and some fair arrangement was to come so that we undertook to have fish twice a week and a pudding twice or a dumpling or something of that sort i do think that it might be very satisfactory and pleasant for all parties this compromise which was proposed with abundance of tears and sighs was not exactly meeting the point at issue nobody took any notice of it and poor mrs nickleby accordingly proceeded to enlighten mrs browdie upon the advantages of such a scheme and the unhappy results flowing on all occasions from her not being attended to when she proffered her advice you sir said snawley addressing the terrified spike are an unnatural ungrateful unlovable boy you won't let me love you when i want to you won't come home won't you come home won't you no 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 cried smike shrinking back he never loved nobody bawled squeers through the keyhole he never loved me he never loved wackford who is next door but one to a cherubim how can you expect that he'll love his father he'll never love his father he won't he don't know what it is to have a father he don't understand it it ain't in him mr snawley looked steadfastly at his son for a full minute and then covering his eyes with his hand and once more raising his hat in the air appeared deeply occupied in deploring his black ingratitude then drawing his arm across his eyes he picked up mr squeers hat and taking it under one arm and his own under the other walked slowly and sadly out your romance sir said ralph lingering for a moment is destroyed i take it no unknown no persecuted descendant of a man of high degree but the weak imbecile son of a poor petty tradesman 
we shall see how your sympathy melts before plain matter of fact you shall said nicholas motioning towards the door and trust me sir added ralph that i never supposed that you would give him up to-night pride obstinacy reputation for fine feeling were all against it these must be brought down sir lowered crushed and they shall be soon the protracted and wearing anxiety and expense of the law in its most oppressive form its torture from hour to hour its weary days and sleepless nights with these i'll prove you and break your haughty spirit strong as you deem it now and when you make this house a hell and visit these trials upon yonder wretched object as you will i know you and those who think you now a young fledged hero will go into old accounts between us two and see who stands the debtor and comes out best at last even before the world ralph nickleby withdrew but mr squeers who had heard a portion of this closing address and was by this time wound up to a pitch of impotent malignity almost unprecedented could not refrain from returning to the parlour door and actually cutting some dozen capers with various wry faces and hideous grimaces expressive of his triumphant confidence in the downfall and defeat of nicholas having concluded this war dance in which his short trousers and large boots had borne a very conspicuous figure mr squeers followed his friends and the family were left to meditate upon recent occurrences End of chapter 45